This message is brought to you by Alliance Bible Church located in Mequon, Wisconsin. Our vision is to captivate generations with the satisfying gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about Alliance Bible Church or other resources, please check out our website, myabc.church. I don't know about you, but I've got all kinds of stories, all kinds of stories of trying to have conversations with people about faith, trying to have a conversation with someone about faith and seeing in that conversation my own failures to take even a little bit of risk and other stories about taking lots of risk in those conversations and things not turning out too well either. Uh, just this past week, I was uh, walking out of my favorite coffee shop in uh, Port Washington, where my family and I live, and, and I was walking down the street, and, and I suddenly recognized a guy that I keep bumping into all around town. And I've kind of wanted to meet him because I've had some questions about whether or not maybe he has some physical needs and some spiritual needs. And so I've, I've wanted to get a conversation going with him. And, and as I was walking past him, he was sitting on a bench, didn't seem to be doing anything. And, and I said hi, and he looked up at me and made eye contact and, and said hello. And I realized this was my moment to break the ice and get a conversation going with him. And and do you know what your brave pastor did right there? I just kept walking. <laughs> I just kept right on walking. And suddenly that little voice in the back of my head turned on and started going, John, you're missing your opportunity. And that turmoil quickly started happening of going, go back, don't go back. What do you do? Don't go back, you know. You know that, you know that feeling. And, and I made about 20 yards before that voice won. I started walking back. <laughs> But as I got closer, I realized he was gone. He was already gone. And the opportunity for that conversation was gone too, at least for now. I kind of wonder this morning if maybe some of us in here can sympathize with that kind of moment, with that kind of feeling, that maybe your story looks a little bit different than that. Maybe it looks like something with a coworker, a neighbor, a family member. But oftentimes we can find ourselves struggling with risk, with obstacles to sharing our faith. And I think we can feel even stuck in the face of some of those obstacles, of feeling maybe guilt then for having a lack of courage or feeling uh, like we are letting the obstacles of discomfort and feeling awkward get in our way. Or maybe we just don't even see any opportunities in our life. We, we, we feel like our whole world is full of just perfect, great Christian, evangelical Christians that you know, we don't need to share with. And we feel like we just don't have any opportunity to share our faith. Whatever your obstacle might be, I know that some of us, for one reason or another, we've kind of looked at our batting average, if you might say, in this particular area of our life, and we've determined that, you know, talking with other people about our faith, it just isn't our thing. It's just not our bent. It's not how we're wired or something like that. That in the face of all these obstacles and guilt and fear and not knowing what to say and not feeling like we have opportunity, that we've just concluded that this isn't our gift. We just don't have the gift of evangelism or something like that, right? I think we can identify with that. 
And if we can, the good news is, is that people 2,000 years ago struggled with the same issue as well. And the apostle Paul offered to them in his letter to the Colossians some great coaching that applies to us even today in the 21st century. And so I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles, your tablets, your smartphones, whatever, to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4 will be there for our morning. But as you're doing that, I want you to know that I realize that for some of us in here, or maybe listening to this later, that we're thinking that we don't have just a little obstacle to this. Actually, we've got more like a brick wall. Because in our thinking, we've decided that sharing our faith with somebody, that really we shouldn't do that because religion is something that really just should be a personal thing. It's a personal thing. Or we've decided that, that we don't want to be involved in making quote-unquote, sales pitches, except we switch products with people. And in one way or another, we've decided or we just kind of feel really leery of anything that we see and have deemed as pushing religion because maybe you've had a bad experience. So you want nothing to do with that. I know I have a lot of friends that I could place in that kind of a category. But as we jump into this message, let me put your mind at ease. Because that's not what this passage is talking about. That's not our calling as Christians. It's not about a sales pitch. Instead, actually, as we've already seen laid out in this letter of the book of Colossians, as we've been slowly walking through this uh, various weeks throughout this summer, that instead we've seen that this desire to share our faith as a follower of Jesus, that it's born out of a rock-solid belief that Jesus is the only way to life with God. That Jesus isn't just a way, an option, a path that you could choose if you wanted to, but he's the only way. That's the driving motivation behind the Apostle Paul's words and and coaching here. It's not to force anything, but it is to offer the only thing. That's what we want and need to know as we jump into this passage. That's the heart behind this coaching that's being offered by the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. And so what Paul's going to do here is he's going to start laying out how to go about this very difficult task. He's giving this coaching to the Christians in Colossae, but it applies to us today as well. And after this, he's going to finish the book off with uh, some personal greetings, uh, things like Luke says hi and stuff like that. Um, He's going to finish it off with that, but but we're going to focus just on verses 2 through 6. Verse 2 says this, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. So what Paul's doing here is he's using door as a a metaphor for an an opening, an opportunity to share with somebody about Jesus, the gospel message, right? That's here the the mystery, right? Paul elsewhere will, will describe the gospel as the mystery hidden for the ages but now revealed in Jesus Christ. And so then he goes on, he says, on account of which I am in prison, right? This is, this is what landed Paul 
in a tight set of circumstances. Verse 4 says, that I may make it clear, this is the other part of his request, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Now hang on there. I would be willing to bet if there was one person in this world that you and I would be willing to bet money on that they could explain the gospel with perfect clarity, wouldn't you bet your money on the Apostle Paul? I'd put all my chips right there, right? This is the guy that wrote the book of Romans. Come on. And yet, he's asking them to pray that he would be able to share the gospel with clarity. I find that oddly comforting. And maybe the Colossians, and maybe you do as well, that the apostle Paul invited others to pray for him that he would share the gospel with clarity. We pick things up. Verse 5, he moves now from informing them of his prayer requests to now talking to them about their walking. And, and there's kind of a mirror going on here of Paul and the Colossians and praying and walking and how he's proclaiming the gospel and how they're to proclaim the gospel. And so verse 5, he says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Or as an older translation might say, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. I love this passage. I love it. Because when I read this passage, and I, and I read other passages like this that, that Paul writes, I get the impression here that Paul is looking at our world a little differently. That he's choosing to look at our world a little differently. I mean, this guy, he's currently in prison. And what is, his, what is his prayer request? That he could have more opportunities to do what landed him in prison in the first place. Talk about an unrepentant, you know, inmate. You know, I mean, he is asking for that. Don't miss the subtle irony in here too, that, that Paul is asking them to pray for open doors while he's in prison. <laughs> but he's not praying for open doors that he could get out of prison necessarily. He's praying for open doors to share the gospel. This guy is sold out to the point where he is looking at things differently. Now, Paul's not masochistic. He's not enjoying prison. Uh, I mean, our prisons today, they would look like, you know, the Hilton compared to what Paul is enduring here. He'd like to be free. In fact, at the end of this letter, he even asks people to remember his chains, remember the, the hardship, in other words, that he's enduring. But, and this is really important, Paul isn't hung up on his problems. He isn't hung up on all the obstacles to his faith. He's not crazy. He recognizes that they're there, but he is choosing to look beyond them. And we can too. We need to see our obstacles as opportunities. We need to start seeing our obstacles as opportunities when it comes to sharing our faith. It's kind of like a door, right? A door is an obstacle, right? I mean, I've got four little boys at home. Trust me, they see that closed door as an obstacle while I'm on the other side, you know, eating ice cream and hiding from them. But, you know, <laughs> doors are obstacles. We get that. 
But Paul is looking beyond this. He is looking beyond just the obstacle that is in front. And we have the opportunity to do that as well. In fact, it's what we ought to be seeing, what we ought to be doing. We recognize the obstacle, but beyond that, we see the opportunity. And I know that this isn't easy, especially when it comes to, you know, sharing the gospel. I can tell you that, you know, uh, um, I've had many teachers uh, along uh, my life in the years tell me about how they can't share their faith at school because they might get in trouble. I've had many others tell me about how they feel at a loss when it comes to trying to share the gospel message with their own families because their own families know all their shortcomings and all their problems and they just feel at a loss. I get that and many other problems and hang-ups that we feel Along the way, I get the concern, but if that's where we're at, we are hung up on the obstacles rather than looking for the opportunity. Maybe you can relate. You and I, friends, whatever our work, whatever our life looks like, you've got to start not just looking and seeing obstacles in your path. You've got to start looking at them as opportunities. That's what this passage is teaching us to do. Paul is using this idea here of a door as a metaphor for our circumstances. That whatever our circumstances are, in his case, even prison, right? He's looking at this and saying it affords us an opportunity. He doesn't stop with just our circumstances, right? He moves on. He, he, he notes the obstacle of the mystery with the gospel and he sees the opportunity to share it clearly. He looks at the obstacle of time. That's one that we oftentimes feel, time. And he sees the opportunity to use it well. Where he knows that Christians will full well face the obstacle of giving an answer to tough questions about their faith. He sees the opportunity to speak words that are winsome and truthful. And friends, that's how we need to see things too. That's how we need to see our obstacles in sharing the gospel. That it's holding all kinds of opportunities. And I don't know what your obstacles are. I, I, I don't know what they might be for you in, uh, in particular. But you've got them. And I've got mine. It might be time. It might be how to answer. It might be our circumstances. But let me tell you. You and I, we have to start looking at them differently, differently. I remember feeling this obstacle the first time I stepped out of employment at, uh, you know, more secular workplaces like the hospital I used to work at and the nursing home and so forth. I, I remember feeling that. But I, since then, I've begun to learn that there is an opportunity in my new set of obstacles to finding relationships with people who don't yet know Jesus. There's an opportunity attached to each and every obstacle that we're facing. And Paul's example to each of us is that we have the responsibility of looking for those opportunities, looking for how we can engage in open doors that come our way, that we actually ought to be doing something about that, not just that we could or we might, but actually we have a responsibility that we ought to be speaking in this way and looking for these kinds of opportunities. And looking for those kinds of opportunities has a beginning point. 
The beginning point is seeing our perspective change with these kinds of things. The, be, the starting point for that is the same as it was for Paul. That point is prayer. Prayer. Prayer is what moves us from just seeing obstacles to seeing opportunities. Why? Because it puts God in our set of circumstances. It puts God in the picture. I mean, think about how Paul opens up this passage here, right? In verse 2, he says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Paul starts this sentence then with an assumption. What was the assumption? What is he assuming that they are already doing? What is it? It's that they are already praying. They're already praying. And then he goes on to describe how they should be praying. He says it should be steadfast. Right? Not occasional, not flippant, but steadfast. And then he describes it as being watchful or alert. Why watchful? Why would he describe our prayer life as needing to pay close attention to what we're praying? Could it be because Paul genuinely believes that God actually might take action on the prayers we're praying? Could it be that that given the context that that, that that action might actually involve somebody else stepping through one of those open doors and seeing the salvation of people on the other side? I think so. And C.S. Lewis once described uh, this kind of thing, his, his prayer life in this way, uh, like this. He said, I have two lists of names in my prayers. Those whose conversion I pray and for those whose conversion I give thanks the little trickle of transference from list A to list B is a great comfort. It is, isn't it? That we should be praying all the more than steadfastly, watchful in it. Because after all, Jesus told the disciples in heaven that heaven, all of heaven is thrilled for uh, one person that starts following the Lord. So how much more then should the last part of his encouragement make sense for us that we should be thankful when we see God answering our prayers, that we should be then praying consistently out of a grateful heart in celebration for what we have seen him do in response to steadfast prayer. Now, I like to think I know this congregation pretty well at this point. Uh, I, I, I'm sure I have lots more to learn, but, but given what I know about you, I want to give you an encouragement this morning. I want to give you encouragement. Because I think for some of us in here, God needs to genuinely break our heart for the lost people in our life for the lost people that we're surrounded with. That we need him to break through the, the brick wall we have and help these people be able to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because truth be told, some of us, that brick wall is just that we just don't care that much. We just don't care. In fact, maybe when it came to writing a name down here on this concrete pad, you had trouble thinking of someone. It may be as you look at your life and you evaluate it, there's just no care. There's no concern for anyone in particular in your life that they come to know Jesus. 
that we don't have that concern. Or for some of us, that brick wall looks a little bit different. Instead, it's because we just genuinely don't like these people because of the way that we feel like they are impacting our lives, the lives of people around us, and maybe our entire country, that we have walled ourselves off from a broken-hearted concern for their salvation. I don't know, but I feel like for some of us, our starting point is praying for a breakthrough of that kind of wall. Praying that we would have our hearts broken for one person. Not, not, not trying to pray for the whole world, just for the one person that we really struggle with. Maybe that's the name that we wrote on the floor of the sanctuary that we need to remember and we need to be steadfastly praying for. Others of us, we know who our one or our ones are. But you know what we're doing? We're thinking a lot about it. We're really concerned about them. We've even tried a couple things. But you know what we're not doing? Praying. We're not praying. Don't confuse worrying for praying. Worrying puts all the weight of that rock on my back. Praying puts the rock back where it belongs, which is on Jesus's back. Let your concerns drive you to prayer, not to worry. One more thing. For those of you who are praying, when you pray, pray for open doors. Remember, Paul's the same guy who wrote Romans 10, 14 that says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in them, him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? If you want to pray for someone, who doesn't yet know Jesus, pray for open doors because it's going to require someone to tell them because prayer is our starting point. Prayer is what changes our vision and begins helping us to see our obstacles as opportunities. Now, there's one more thing that we need to pick up from this passage that helps us to see obstacles as opportunities when it comes to sharing about Jesus because when a door actually opens to telling others about Christ, I don't think it's actually all that hard for us to get caught up, hung up, trip right over the fear and feeling of a sales pitch or the pressure to get it all right. The pressure of what their response will be. To get hung up on the obstacle of persuasion. Persuasion. See, we need to keep realizing that we proclaim, we don't persuade. We proclaim, but we don't persuade, but we proclaim in a persuasive way. Let me explain it this way. When I was a little boy, about eight years old, we were living in uh, southwest Wyoming. If you don't know that area, it's, uh, it's Mormon country. And uh, our neighbors uh, happened to be Mormon. And, and one day I was playing with uh, their, their son. We were on a trampoline, I remember. And um, being the, the leader I was, I said, hey, why don't you close your eyes for a moment? Okay, now repeat after me. And I led him through what we call the sinner's prayer. And, uh, and, and, and he said, amen, and I said, yes. <laughs> and he looked up me, at me in surprise, and he goes, why, what happened? And I said, well, you're a Christian now. And he said, oh, no. <laughs> oh, I've always been a pastor. See, friends, I got confused about my role. And I got confused when I was eight, and sometimes I still get confused. Because our opportunity isn't to persuade, 
but to proclaim. It's not to trick, but to share. I mean, have you ever met someone who made it their mission to actually convince you of something? How'd it go? Probably not too well. There's an old saying that says that a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Thankfully, that's not our mission. That's not our job or our responsibility. And that reality frees us from the weight that we were actually never made to bear, a weight that will crush us. I remember when I first realized that evangelism was about sharing, not about convincing. And my first feeling was that it was freeing. That your job and my job is to share, to show it, not to get others into it. That's not the burden that you and I were made to bear. This has been a big revelation in my world because it means that the biggest measurement of being effective in this area of sharing the gospel is not primarily how fruitful you've been, but how faithful you've been with the open doors that you've been given. This passage is about how we ought to answer each person in that situation, not convince that person. That's the measurement. The question that we're being left with then is, are we being faithful with the doors that God's opening to us? Are we being faithful with those doors? And friends, that right there, it turns obstacles into opportunities. It turns obstacles into opportunities. And it's incredibly freeing. And I want to make sure we realize that's, this applies to our families. It applies to our spouses, our coworkers, our strangers. That your job is to proclaim not persuade. So stop feeling guilty. Stop being faithful to just the part of the burden that you were called to do and leave the rest up to Jesus. Now, let's be clear. That doesn't mean that we aren't sharing things in a persuasive way, that we aren't being uh, allowed to be careless with this message, right? That we are to still pick things up and we were to think about how we go about things, that we are to be proclaiming in these opportunities that we've prayed for uh, in, a, in a persuasive way, but not with the purpose to persuade, but to be faithful. Uh, look back at the verse five. Let me show you what I mean. Walk in wisdom, verse five, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. I remember my grandfather telling it to me this way. John, when you're telling someone about Jesus, don't feel like you've got to unload everything all at once. It's good advice. See, because being wise with this starts with being thoughtful about what you're saying. Not overwhelming somebody with a flood of ideas, but being thoughtful so that we're being clear. And friends, when we are wise with our words and actions, that is persuasive. That is a message that's persuasive. It, it, it's that we've given thought then to our actions and our words so that we are making the most of our time. It's in that sense that our message is to be persuasive. And I find that our message in Scripture is persuasive even all by itself. That the gospel message is satisfying. I would be willing to bet, though, if you look at your life, if you're somebody who maybe came to Christ a little later in life, that the person who was involved in that was probably somebody who was being wise about their words. They were being wise about their actions, that they were redeeming the time and making the gospel message clear. 
And so I want to share with us by ending uh, some ways that we can be encouraged to go about this, some helpful ways that we can we can think about putting this passage into practice. And this actually spells the word bless if you want a helpful way to remember it. So the first one that we've already talked about in here that Paul shares with us is beginning with prayer. Begin with prayer. Second is listen. Listen. Do the wise and loving thing by listening well to people that God's putting in our path. It's actually part of how I think we are gracious in our words, that we don't suck up all the oxygen in the conversation, but instead we're a good listener. Third, eat with them. Eat with them. Or do the fourth, serve them. Serve them. These two things were the consistent doors that when we look at the life of Jesus Christ, that he always seemed to be stepping through with people. And I think that uh, of these kinds of moments, like they're gospel appointments. We may not see any open doors on the front end, but as we serve and as we eat with people, they seem to start showing up. That we don't necessarily know what's going to happen, but if we look at our life, many of us have friends even in this room because we saw Jesus' example of serving and eating with people. And well, one thing led to another, right? And something happened. Something amazing. And as a Christian, it's our attitude that we're called to. That we should want to serve and listen to and share with and eat with and pray with people. Because after all, someone did that for us. Someone took the first step for us. And so I don't find it surprising when we're doing and living and acting in this way that the final part happens. That we actually get to share with them. Share with them. I love it when I get a chance to talk with somebody about Jesus, about who he is, what he did for me, and what he can do for them. And sharing that in a gracious and truthful way is a rewarding experience. And you know, giving some thought to that on the front end of how much you're going to share can be really wise and helpful. It can help give clarity to your words to make the most of your sharing. And friends, this isn't some kind of magic formula of helping someone cross over the line of faith, but it is a different way of looking at the obstacles in our life, a different way of seeing them so that we can start sharing our faith. It's a way that we can help make the most of our time this week so that our words and our lives are gracious, seasoned with salt. And to start seeing our obstacles from a godly perspective that moves us from just the obstacles to seeing the doors and the open doors that Jesus may be putting in your life and my life and inviting us to step through and to bless the person on the other side. Amen? Hey, let's pray together about this. Father, Lord, we recognize our need that we are lost, that there is a world full of closed doors without the movement of your Holy Spirit. That, Father, the calling in our life is actually to be looking for the openings that you're putting in our path. And so, God, I want to ask this morning that you would help awaken our senses, waken us, uh, wake us up to the spots in our life where you are opening those doors for your word, for your gospel message. And Father, for the places that we are struggling where maybe we feel like we've got a brick wall in front of us, 
I ask that you would just lead us in our prayer life to be steadfast, unmovable, continuing to pound away and look for how you are bringing the breakthrough in our hearts and in that door. Lord, help us to be faithful that we are looking and walking and being courageous with your word, trusting you to move in front of us and open the door. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.